The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche. Requiem. Written by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagare. The gathering of Echo personnel and government brass made Spin Doctor's planned memorial a security and logistics nightmare. The catastrophe that had collapsed the MARTA tunnels in downtown Atlanta and made more Echo funerals necessary had remained fresh in the minds of the public. Those who braved the crowds went through a multitude of security checkpoints, but they still came en masse to pay their respects to Dixie Bell. For hours, people from all walks of life filed into the Georgia Dome to walk past the simple coffin draped with an American flag, guarded by Echo personnel in full-dress uniform. Some paused for a brief moment, while others simply shuffled past in respectful silence. More than a few small children accompanied parents or grandparents, following the adults' somber lead. By the middle of the afternoon, the only empty seats in the mega-stadium were on the stage or in the areas reserved for government dignitaries. Ramona stayed close to the tunnel entrance, making sure that she had an eye on pride at all times. President Shreves would take his seat shortly before the ceremony began, but his people continued to survey their assigned areas and chat with their security coordinators. She hadn't seen Spin Doctor since that morning, but the low buzz of chatter on Overwatch let her know that everything was still proceeding on schedule. At least the weather had cooperated for the memorial. The old guard of Echo had come, their section guarded by several members of the CCCP. Soviet stood in dress uniform next to Chug, whose bulk made it impossible for anyone to even consider approaching the dignitaries. Six of the Echo canines that reported to leader of the pack padded up and down the aisles, respectfully alert to any possible threat. A few shadows swooped across the sky, Corby coordinating the aerial reconnaissance, even as helicopters swung over the stadium in long, looping patterns. No John Murdoch or Seraphim. They had been sent after a frantic call from Venezuela, asking for their help in protecting a cadre of medicines. The few metahumans in that country had barely repulsed one effort to take or kill them, and they did not think they were capable of handling a second. With their new supersonic flight, they could be there in mere hours, faster than even jet transport. They'd left shortly before Dixie Bell had been found dead. Ramona wished they were here. I'd feel a lot better seeing those fireballs in the sky. It is a shame that she could not be here to see such a display, but I am certain that she knew of this city's love for her. The warm Russian baritone startled Ramona such that she felt the metal rise to the surface of her skin. She turned to see the older gentleman in a Cold War-era CCCP dress uniform standing close to the tunnel. He smiled, and she could see hints of the same wolfish expression that Natalia sometimes wore. Then again, it is unlikely she would have wanted such grandeur for herself. Ramona opened her mouth to speak, but pride had overheard the comment. She watched him force his shoulders back before tucking the handwritten notes for the eulogy into his jacket pocket. Unlikely, but she always did what was necessary. Sacrifice before self. Those were her words. A pity that she had to sacrifice so much. The first red savior bowed at the waist and offered his hand to Yankee pride. 
Please, accept my nation's condolences on the loss of such a remarkable woman. Pride accepted the handshake and nodded, his words absent of the emotion that had overwhelmed him for much of the week. Thank you, sir. The Russian meta didn't let go. And my sympathies on your loss, Benjamin. Your mother and I may not have always been on the same sides of the negotiating table, but I remember her spirit fondly. The only pity was that she was not born Russian. He winked before releasing the hand. Ramona breathed a small sigh of relief when Pride's mouth quirked into the faintest of smiles. White and blue complimented her red better than gold, sir. That they did. He nodded at the tunnel. I will take my seat before the memorial begins, but there are many good stories to share someday, if you would like. They watched him walk out onto the field, pride letting out a shaky breath. She patted him on the shoulder. One more hour, maybe two. You will ride with Spin and me to Marietta National for the private ceremony, and we'll fall apart after that. I promise a stupid, sloppy drunk fest if that would dull any of the pain. He wiped at his eyes. Mama did like you, you know. She said you had something good, something smart. She'd definitely approve of that plan. Ramona started to say something, but Spin's voice slid into her ear. Two minutes, ladies and gentlemen. The President's detail is moving into position, after which Steel Maiden will position opposite the CCCP detail at the dais. We'll have the color guard come in, followed by Reverend Freeman and Yankee Pride. We're ready? She waited for others to chime in first before giving her go-ahead. Affirmative spin. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, only our very best for Miss Dixie Bell. The weather was not cooperating with the memorial. Instead of appropriately overcast skies and a biting mist of rain, a cool breeze accompanied warm sunshine that made the Georgia afternoon nothing less than pleasant. From where she stood, Ramona couldn't see an empty seat in the entire stadium. The contrails from the aerial salute had faded to pale wisps, while notable members of Echo and the Atlanta community took their turns in Spin Doctor's carefully orchestrated memorial service. Both Yankee Pride and Jamaican Blaze sat on the dais with the pastor of the church that Dixie Bell had attended every Sunday since her retirement from full service with Echo. Bella sat on Pride's left, blue hands folded in her lap, and a calm expression on her face. Ramona had little doubt that Bella's projective empathic power was the only reason that Willa Jean had managed to slow her tears to a trickle. The cameras panned across the assembled guests during the speeches, transmitting their reactions to the big screen circling the stadium and the television stations carrying the memorial on the live feeds. Knowing Spin's planning, Ramona guessed that it was likely being live-streamed through any number of online sites. It would be impossible for anyone in Atlanta's metro area to not see the memorial. Anything to keep a positive image of Echo in the public's mind, she thought. She took a deep breath and glanced at the groups of metahumans in the first few rows on the field. Some of the most stoic souls did little to hide their grief, while others maintained their composure with a quiet dignity she hadn't thought possible. Motu and Matai wept openly, tears streaming down their cheeks when an elderly Samoan gentleman stood and told a story about his first encounter with Dixie. 
None of the assembled CCCP members openly wept, but Ramona caught Pavel sniffle once or twice. Had he ever met Dixie Bell? He was likely old enough, but she hadn't thought to ask the bear about his service during what they all called the Great Patriotic War. Perhaps one of these days. The feed to the screen flickered once, then returned to scanning the crowd. Although most of the metahumans wore formal dress uniforms or simple black suits, the civilians who had come to pay their respects had worn red, white, and blue. It made for a decidedly celebratory atmosphere in spite of the somber afternoon. She wasn't sure if that was something else that Spin had communicated, but it definitely worked. Dixie would have liked it, she thought. The camera panned again, the image showing the twins once more. Reverend Freeman had taken the podium for the last of the introductions, while Yankee Pride wiped his eyes and smoothed the front of his suit. Spin had insisted that he give the eulogy, that it would demonstrate strength in the midst of a sorrowful event. Ramona worried that he wouldn't manage more than a few words before breaking down, but eventually it had been two against one, and she agreed to stand nearby. She glanced at the twins, then back to the screen. The image above the field showed Motu with his arm around his brother's shoulders. Forty feet away from where she stood, Motu leaned forward, his head bowed and elbows on his knees. Ramona swallowed and brought her hand up to wipe at her eyes. Overwatch? she murmured. There's a delay in the cameras. We might want to check. Ramona straightened up as dots of black and gray appeared in the field of red, white, and blue within the Georgia Dome. Her HUD began to flicker in the lower left corner of her vision, and she immediately glanced at Bella. Her posture hadn't changed, but she inclined her head toward Ramona. Something's in the grass, Ramona murmured over the secure channel. We've got over 71,000 people in the stadium, and there's something in the grass. I see it, Bella breathed. Overwatch? No reply came over the proprietary channel. Ramona switched to the general channel used by most of Echo. Overwatch, please reply. Sam called, ma'am. Overwatch 2 isn't responding. We've got unknowns in the area among civilians. I need you to appropriate any and all security cameras within the Georgia Dome in a three-mile radius to see what you can learn about who's crashing the memorial. Ramona shifted away from the dais to get a better view of the stadium seating. She counted at least 15 figures in black combat fatigues in one aisle. While she couldn't see any weapons, her implants told her otherwise. Ma'am, we're experiencing an unknown interference with the cameras at the Georgia Dome. It appears that they're using an iterative encryption algorithm, and we can't get in as easily as we'd like. It's going to take more than a few ticks. More of the assembled metas had noticed what Ramona and Bella had seen in the stands. Even Yankee Pride, who had spent much of the first five minutes of his mother's eulogy with his head bowed over the podium, had slowed his speech as more of the mercenaries filled the aisles of the stadium. Finally, he looked out over the crowd and took a deep breath. Gentlemen, he drawled in a tone equal parts anger and grief. Is there something that you need during the somber celebration of my mother's life? Oh, they don't need anything, came the reply through the stadium speakers. Seconds later, the image of Dominic Verdigree appeared on every screen in the Georgia Dome. He stood in front of an enormous banner for the local football franchise inside what looked like an opulent suite. On the other hand, I have a few requests to which you and your extended meta-family will be only too happy to acquiesce.
Given her novel metahuman ability, Ramona considered if she actually could spit nails, if she got angry enough. This would be the ideal scenario, with Verdigree's grinning countenance looming over the assembled masses gathered to pay their respects to Dixie Bell. Pride stood at the podium, gauntlets pulsing a brassy golden collar. Bella stood behind him, eyes scanning the crowd while carrying on a rapid-fire conversation via Overwatch. Total count of the armed mercenaries, boys. We need precise numbers, and we need them now. Ma'am, we've managed to appropriate a third of the cameras in the field area and around the perimeter. Last count gives us nearly 300, but we can't see anything on the inside. Any luck on interrupting the feed that's projecting verdigree to the masses? Bella growled the name. The sooner we get him off the air, the better. Granting Bella's wish wasn't going to happen anytime soon, Verdigree smiled and gestured to the tens of thousands of people below. It seems only fitting that on a day when we celebrate everything that Dixie Bell did for Echo and the good people of Atlanta, we should consider how those people who represent her legacy can serve those who came to honor her memory. He clasped his hands in front of his face, the knuckle of a forefinger tapping thoughtfully against his nose. I'm sure that you, her son, will appreciate this gesture. Today, I am asking the metahumans of Echo to consider the ultimate sacrifice in order to save the people who have looked to them for protection. The individuals stationed at strategic locations throughout the stadium are here to provide a measure of persuasion. The smirk returned, tugging the corners of his mouth into a wide smile. Pride gripped the sides of the podium. The aura from his gauntlets gave his face an angry glow. And what makes you think that any matter here wouldn't put themselves between your thugs and these innocents? It's happened before, hasn't it? You use your personal army to hold the city hostage and inflict pain to satisfy your own twisted agenda. The image on the Jumbotron smiled and wagged a finger at the assembly. No fair change in the subject, Benjamin. We're talking about the present situation and the lives of more than 70,000 people. Given those numbers, it would behoove you to pay attention. Ma'am, it looks like the system is actively blocking our attempts. It's going to take a bit longer to find out where the snake is hiding. We need this shutdown yesterday, and we need control of the cameras, Bella ground out between clenched teeth. Keep him talking, Pride. The gauntlets around his forearms pulsed. All right, Mr. Verdigree, you have our undivided attention. The stage is yours. The image on the screen feigned embarrassment. Why, Yankee Pride, such flattery. Now you've made me camera shy. I can't possibly think straight, knowing that all of Atlanta is staring. The screen winked out, although the speakers continued to broadcast his voice. I'll just have to trust that my melodious narrative will compel you to listen. Spittin' horsehair, it's disappeared. We nearly had it. We're listening. Pride snarled. You have our undivided attention. How gracious of you. Now, as I said before, today is the day when the metahumans of Echo will have the unparalleled opportunity to make the ultimate sacrifice to save the people of Atlanta. Should any of you refuse, each one of the uniformed individuals around the facility will execute one person every minute, making this funeral more than just a single person remembrance. Verdigree paused for effect. Ramona imagined him leaning back and steepling his fingers beneath his smarmy smile. 
That's at least 300 civilians, based on what we could get before the cameras were compromised. Still working on getting that feedback, ma'am. Pride continued to glare at the empty Jumbotron screen. And what is this ultimate sacrifice that you envision? Each one of the members of Echo has placed themselves in harm's way in order to preserve the safety of these people. Or have you forgotten the events of the past few years? Oh, I'm certain that no one in this proud assembly could ever forget the day that an alien invasion targeted cities that were chock-full of metahumans representing different organizations and government interests. There they were, minding their own business, enjoying a frosty beverage at the local watering hole while watching whatever sports ball team they support, when suddenly they were the bloody bystanders in a war that they couldn't begin to fight or even comprehend. The screen flickered to show footage from the very first invasion, images from around the world when the death spheres and Kriegers tore through cities and decimated industry and commerce centers. Around the stadium, a low murmur provided the soundtrack for the otherwise silent film. To be fair, the people of Atlanta have sacrificed plenty for metahuman security, Verdigree offered, which is why my proposal shouldn't take too much contemplation. You see... I'm not asking you to die. Not all over, at least. Another long pause gave those assembled time to whisper among each other. Ramona could see a few of the CCCP in attendance conferring among themselves, the rapid-fire chatter of Russian in her ear lending a second layer to the conversation. You'll get to keep that which makes you... Human. He can't, Bella said. That can't be possible. Gentlemen, where in the hell is my video feed, and why can't we get a location on this slimy parasite three minutes ago? Ramona didn't catch the Colt brothers' response. The whirring sound of the dome moving along the multiple tracks had caught the attention of the entire stadium, and the sky slowly disappeared as the steel and polymer construction slid into place. The post-invasion modification had been a priority for the city to bring in more events— but Ramona found herself wishing for an open sky and a torrential downpour. Provided that you agree to this noble sacrifice, this venue will slowly fill with a highly potent chemical dispensed in a manner that, for obvious reasons, I will keep to myself. Patent pending, you know. This chemical will be completely harmless to those regular Joes and Janes, but it will quickly and effectively nullify the effects of metahuman genes that any of you possess. You'll live, Verdigree added. Of course, if your non-meta bodies are unable to withstand the physical consequences of immediate genetic suppression, I can't make any promises. The jumbotron flickered, the image of a smoking downtown cityscape providing a backdrop to the challenge. It was impossible to ignore the bodies littering the street in the foreground. So, your minute begins when I finish speaking, Yankee Pride. Everyone must agree, or it's 300 of these likely expendable normals to fill the morgues of Atlanta every minute. How do you feel about signing that many death sentences, Benjamin? A dull roar grew to a shouting match, the assembly shouting at the field as the seconds ticked by. In contrast, Overwatch stayed silent. Ramona glanced at Pride, who had not moved from the podium. Nearby, Bella glared at the screen with a mixture of hate and resolve. A quick review of the other metas on the ground showed similar expressions, fear being nearly absent from them. There would be no discussion. 
there would be no vote. We agree to your terms. Pride's voice boomed over the speaker, his response rendering the crowd silent. The armed mercenaries did not move from their posts. We agree. Of course you do. A sickly sweet odor wafted through the air, and Ramona's implants screamed in warning. Her HUD leapt to life, warning about the chemical composition and presence of a dozen unidentifiable chemical and biological agents. She swallowed hard and glanced at Pride. He still hadn't moved from the podium. At least we'll get to learn about Verd's bartending skills with Overwatch's analysis of his chemical cocktail. That won't be affected, right? She couldn't help the instinct to breathe a little more shallowly. Right? Daughter of Rasputin called it Nedjik, something that Verdigree cannot break, Natalia snarled through the secure communication. In the group of metahumans standing closest to the platform, some of them eased themselves into their chairs, heads in their hands or palms pressed tightly over their eyes. Ramona felt herself unable to support her own weight and struggled to draw a deep breath. She fell against the side of the platform, nauseous and disoriented. The added weight of modified musculature would make it nearly impossible for many of them to walk, much less run if Verdigree chose to attack civilians in spite of his promise. At least, some people had been able to stay behind. Would that be enough? The air smelled of cinnamon and overripe bananas, a detail that Verdigree had likely chosen on purpose. Ramona sat on the ground, the small of her back pressed into the side of the stage, the other metas sitting on the chairs in front of the stage shared her fear and weariness. Corby's complexion had turned ashen, his feathers already drooping and beginning to fall out. Natalia and her father had nearly identical expressions of rage, although the current commissar was the only one keeping up a steady stream of colorful language via Overwatch. Sylvie, what do you see from where you're sitting? Are we in danger of losing anyone? Bella sounded as exhausted as Ramona felt. Can we tell if anyone isn't affected from here? Overwatch, can we get anything from anybody on this? Ma'am, we've got a limited amount of information, but so far we do not appear to have experienced any casualties. Some vitals are a little questionable, but we're chalking that up to the stress of the situation. Ramona sighed. Breathing hurt. She scanned the crowd for Mercury and found him huddled up in his chair, Knees pulled up to his chest as he shivered. The loss of the lightning metabolism had immediate effects not related to speed. She gritted her teeth and did her best to steady her voice. Bella, can the guys tap into the controls for the dome? Is there a way we can open the top to vent off the worst of it? We can't do anything without finding something to trace. We need the video feed to light up the associated systems, Bella snapped. If we don't get an answer soon, there are going to be geldings where we currently have colts. Do I make myself clear? Is no use making threats, Sestra, Soviet answered through tears. I am sure they are doing what they can, but without... She stopped suddenly. Sylvie, what's wrong? Ramona pushed herself forward to see more of what was happening. She could see more of the CCCP than Bella could and Sylvie wasn't more than twenty feet away. Like Ramona, she sat on the ground, Chug's craggy head against her shoulder. Soviet, what's wrong with Chug? Is he okay? 
That's Miss Ferrari, isn't it? Of course, and the first was Dr. Parker. It's hard to make out these voices, but I understand the lack of communication devices. The cultured baritone came through Soviet's channel, but the medic's lips didn't move. Ramona could see Soviet's wide eyes and her lips pressed together as if to hide. A smile? What could possibly make her happy at a time like... Stop! Natalia's voice carried over the channel like a bullet. Is not possible! Commissar, my gratitude for your impeccable leadership in these past months. Chug's voice, his real voice, not the grunts of broken speech to which they had all grown accustomed, slid through the channel. With your permission, I would like to engage our host in a bit of dialogue. Granted, Bella spoke first. Engage. We'll debrief later once I pick my jaw off the turf and we have Vertigree swinging by his big toes from the top of the SunTrust building. Chug, is that really you? As much as I can be. The large man stood and extended a hand to help Soviet to her feet. Ramona saw his mouth move again, but she wasn't able to make out the words. The medic nodded and motioned to the stage. With his hands above his head, Chug made his way to the podium and bowed to Yankee Pride. For his part, Pride stepped aside and motioned to the microphone. Thank you, sir. I only wanted to take a moment to speak with our host and make him aware of a potential mistake in his impressive agenda. From one scientist to another, of course. The Jumbotron screen flickered on to display Dominic Vertigree, brandy in hand and cigar in the other. He used the unlit end of the cigar to gesture at the screen. You do realize that the only mistake is you're speaking out of turn, yes? Chug, or at least the person who Ramona had thought to be Chug, lowered his hands to rest against the podium. He inclined his head politely to the screen, his craggy cheeks permitting a wry smile. Sir... I have made a wealth of mistakes in my lifetime, and several did result from speaking out of turn. At the same time, few individuals of your intellect exist on this continent, and I would welcome the opportunity to share a short conversation with a legitimate genius. Sweet mother of frogs, it's like Spin and Sovie had a baby, a big rocky squirrel-loving baby. Bella's tone wavered between stunned and delighted. Is that really Chug? Ah, is Chug when Chug was more than he is now, Red Savior answered, but it sounded like something had caught in her throat. Ramona glanced in the direction of the CCCP delegation. Soviet had tears streaming down her cheeks, and others stared at their comrade in open disbelief. The man at the podium waited for the image on the screen to respond, Verdigree's expression indicated that he was pretending to not enjoy the open flattery. I suppose a few minutes aren't too much to give, especially given your insight. Your accent's a little difficult to make out, but I'll give it a go. So, he said, motioning with his brandy. Enlighten me, Mr. Dr. Chogowskiv. Professor at times, but doctor is most apt. Doctor, then, Vertigree smirked. I gather you earned that one with more than a few evening classes at the local junior college. 
Chug matched Verdigris' smirk with one of his own. I attended day classes, too. Evenings were for more applied scientific investigations, of course. Bella choked back a laugh. He's playing him, keeping him on the screen and stroking his ego. Boys, I hope you can pick up that feed now. Almost there, ma'am. Trying to establish a connection to the cameras first to get some better eyes on the situation. Ramona glanced to Pride, who remained well behind the podium. His expression hadn't changed, but his eyes darted between the scientist on the stage and the psychopath on the screen. She shifted her overwatch to a private channel. How do you feel? Like I ran a parkour marathon in an August Atlanta afternoon, he rumbled back. You? About the same, but my legs don't want to help me stand up. Can you see what's going on in the stands? Pride paused, his eyes narrowing. Mercenaries in the aisles, some guarding the exits. I don't know what we're going to be able to do, even if they manage to secure the video feed. He bought off the security detail and there are 70,000 civilian lives in danger. Ramona started to answer, but Chug had started to give his analysis of the situation to his target audience of one. Research regarding the metahuman condition has its base in several conflicting theories. In the choice of one's theoretical grounding fuels subsequent arguments, treaties, and theories. I wonder, given your single-source approach, if you were perhaps a student of Fen or Mitra. Their work and treatment suggest that a complex regimen of gene therapy might cure, or at the very least alter, certain families of metahuman traits. Fenn had his conference notes marinated in scotch. Didn't care much for the man, Verdigree sniffed. Mitra, he and I got along rather well. Fussy about his laboratory protocol, but generous with patents. But no, not a single-source approach. Too simplistic, doctor. Chug bobbed his head. Indeed. Which is why, given your expertise and seeming familiarity with the metahuman condition, I surmise that you based your approach upon the theories proposed by Brenner and Patroada, who suggested that the condition resembles a virus that uniquely affects the cells of the host. Such an approach would require a vaccination of sorts that would alter the host to create antibodies that would attack the offending virus, resulting in a loss of symptoms. Symptoms being the manifestation of metahuman traits. Verdigree leaned back and studied the other man through the screen. I must say, for an ugly little bit of sediment, you're remarkably sharp. That must have been some night school. The candles were very bright. Chug grinned, stone-colored teeth visible between green-gray lips. Clearly. So, where is my mistake, doctor? Verdigree sipped his brandy and made a show of checking a non-existent watch. You're wasting precious time. Chug cleared his throat and steadied himself at the podium. The mistake lies in not considering the possibility that there could be truth in both, and that the introduction of such antibodies could result in the activation of metahuman triggers. The metahuman condition, Mr. Verdigree, is not so much a simplistic condition as a complex phenomenon, something more than a mutation, yet not quite an evolution by the purest definition. The face on the jumbotron scowled. So, 
Just what are you saying, Doctor? We have cameras, ma'am. Network trace complete in less than 90 seconds. Chug chuckled, the familiar rumble tickling the edge of his throat. What I am saying, what Chug is, is saying. Ramona felt her heart sink. Nearby, Sovi covered her face with her hands. The man at the podium gripped the sides and stared at the screen. Chug saying you are wrong. You make mistake. Big mistake. Mistake? Verdigree leaned forward while Chug scowled back at the screen. What kind of mistake, actually? Big mistake, the stone-faced man answered. He added a grave nod to his words. Bigger than Chug is, and Chug is big. Verd sat back in his chair and snorted. Well, so much for witty academic discourse. I was actually enjoying that little tete-a-tete. Oh, well. Ma'am, we've completed the trace and can locate the target. Not sure how we're going to isolate all of these other threats, but we've marked him as being in a heavily guarded locker room. Sending you the information now. Good job. Start figuring out how to vent this place. Everyone on Overwatch, incoming schematics. Mark relative positions and keep taking shallow breaths, Bella instructed. No one does anything yet, not with 300 mercs waiting to prove a point. Ramona said nothing and noted her place on the schematic. Small black dots started to fill in the layout of the dome, outlining the aisles and corridors. The cult boys had control of the cameras and were putting as many of Vertigree's goons on the map as they could locate. Parker, we need to get these civilians to safety, or at least remove the threat, Pride whispered over the channel. Just knowing where they are won't do much good. The crowd noise had gone from stunned silence at Chug's discourse to a low murmur of fear and agitation. While the metahumans on the field could follow directions to stay calm, the 70,000 attendees could trigger a mass casualty event if they turned on one of the goons in riot gear patrolling the stadium. Ramona struggled to think of one remotely similar situation in her years of echo training, but nothing came close. She tipped her head back against the side of the stage, wishing that her head didn't feel like a bowling ball balancing on pipe cleaners. A private channel alert blinked in her HUD. Rick, what's wrong? Axel thinks he can do something. She cracked one eye open and stared across the turf at Mercury. He sat next to Spoonbender, whose mouth had twisted into a funny grin made only more cartoonish by his well-kept beard, the Mach 1 meta had earned his name as a joke, but his unique ability had proven useful in the strangest situations. Okay, she replied. Tilt your head so we can hear the idea. Mercury obliged, and the rail-thin man started chattering at once. The pieces of the roof are not uniform, and the exposure to extreme heat in the form of Krieger blasts has compromised their integrity. Moreover, the situation is not as load-bearing as it would appear, and thus would require far less effort to move than a similarly solid piece. She resisted the urge to roll her eyes. Axel, that's great, but I don't think we have anyone on the outside who has that particular blend of metallurgy and telekinesis. 
None of our flyers have that sort of strength, and even if they did, we don't need anyone on the outside. Ramona sat up a little straighter and glared at the two men across from her. Are you telling me that you aren't feeling any effects? Axel shrugged and spread his hands. I felt a little before, but I do not feel any adverse effects. An upset stomach and an unpleasant taste of lead on my tongue, but other than that, no. Hold that thought. Ramona opened up her overwatch channel to Bella and Pride, relaying the conversation with a few quick commands. She could feel the glare from Bella before her words came over the channel. Whatever we do, we do it fast. Spoonbender, are you sure you can do something on that scale? This isn't a few chairs in a conference room, she noted. If it's not done quickly enough, this place will turn into a slaughterhouse. The young man smiled gently and nodded in Bella's direction. It will be swift and decisive. Given the locations of those who could do harm, we can work to isolate them once the threat is removed. There was a pause. Ramona could all but feel Bella chewing over the idea. Finally, she came back on the main Overwatch channel, with the CCCP brought on to hear the decision. All right, listen up. Chug bought us some time, and the Colt boys managed to get us some solid intel on the locations of these goons that Vert has paid off. If you are not able to assist, move out of the way and be ready to support medical when they ask. Axel, count it down. The words were lost in the growing roar of the stadium crowd, but Ramona saw the man's palms turn up toward the dome, long fingers curling in as if to grab the enormous metal cover. She cringed at the squeal of metal and watched the supports begin to buckle. The crowd screamed, and people pointed at the corner of the roof that appeared to be collapsing. Mercenaries began to move up and down the aisles, rifles at the ready. Axel, abort! Bella snapped. We're going to have a bloodbath on our hands! We're on it, came a whispered voice over the Overwatch One channel. After a moment, Ramona recognized it. Southwind. A rush of air took the breath from Ramona's lungs and had her gasping. Others near her experienced the same gust and coughing fit, and a faint green cloud gathered above the field. A second burst of air pushed it toward the compromised ceiling, sending it up and out of the dome. She inhaled, feeling the heaviness of her head and neck begin to lessen. Around her, others had started to do the same. Parker, what was that? Pride asked, caution in his words. Not that I'm complaining. That's our cue to immobilize birds' thugs. Nat, how are you feeling? The commissar replied with a nasty laugh. It made Ramona infinitely glad that she was on the woman's good side. Am feeling like justice. Perhaps best way to honor Echo Hero is to follow in footsteps, da? Standing next to Mercury, Spoonbender's complexion had taken on an ashen hue as he stared across the stadium. The speedster kept up a steady stream of chatter, but Ramona couldn't make it out. He gave Ramona a thumbs up and nodded. Spoon's good. Bella? The Echo leader didn't flinch. Let's get that rat bastard. For Dixie. The scene outside the Georgia Dome had all the makings of organized chaos. Metahumans and civilians worked to clear the stands and get people into the relative safety of the parking lot. Inside the stadium, those metas who had regained some measure of ability leapt into action to neutralize the mercenaries in the stands. 
On Overwatch, the Colt brothers maintained a constant stream of information on the status of the stadium, including an ever-narrowing list of potential places where Verdigree had holed up to execute his plan. Ramona took another deep breath of clean air and followed leader of the pack down a concrete tunnel. One of his dogs stayed at her side, the rest sprinting ahead to meet up with Mercury. She eyed the beagle as she jogged. What's her deal? Leader didn't look down. She knows you're not at full strength. Nana's like that. Don't worry, you can't trip over her. She's too fast. I'll take your word for it. The HUD blinked at her, several more possible locations disappearing thanks to the Overwatch algorithm. Merc was still heading toward the one that showed the highest probability. How's the evacuation going, Pride? Little resistance. The winds are rounding up the ones who didn't surrender. Grounding up how? The reply came after a short pause. We'll need to have Corby bring them down from the metal pocket created by the roof. Another trio of locations faded from the map. We've got him cornered. Target should be in the southeast corner of the subterranean level. Ramona moved through her overwatch menus to get some more information. There aren't any other exits that I can see. Bella, what should we... The dog at her heels had stopped, teeth bared and whip-tail held nearly parallel to the floor. A low tone thrummed through the concrete, the vibrations making Ramona's vision blur. Her stomach clenched as the hum grew louder. Overwatch, we have incoming Kriegers and Spheres descending north of Vine City Station. Advise evacuations to the Northeast Stadium exits. Mercury raced back to them, the rest of the pack following close behind. There's nothing down there. Offices are empty. We could send the dogs back later, but for now... Another rumble made his words unnecessary. He nodded to Ramona and took off for the main level. Leader's dogs followed in a furry blur, the little beagle finally abandoning her charge for more pressing matters. Ramona made her way up the tunnel, struggling to keep her footing as the thumps and thrums resonated through her skeleton. She neared the tunnel opening to the field, able to hear the high-pitched whine that signaled the arrival of the spheres. Through the open dome, the multi-armed monstrosities loomed on the horizon. Pride, Bella, what's the plan? Escort Sylvie and Gilead with their teams to the Congress Center, or what's accessible during the rebuild. Set up a triage center and prepare for casualties. Bella's voice was grim. This wasn't an accident. He knew they were coming. The last of the Kriegers collapsed in a burning mass of metal against the western goalpost. Outside the dome, a spear had sunk into the ground less than 50 meters from the Marta stop at Vine City. Red and white lights flashed with each ambulance that arrived for more casualties. Ramona kept count through her HUD, directing traffic and coordinating supplies that arrived from Echo. Overwatch fed her information from the center of the battle, while the CCCP channels gave her a steady stream of challenges and cursing, mostly from the Commissar. A blur of black landed next to her. Corby tucked back his wings and worked his jaw with his hands. Bloody Kriegers. You'd think they'd give up, knowing what we can do to them out here. They know, and so did Verdigree. I guess they decided to team up. Ramona wrinkled her nose. Or they're holding him hostage. He can't have that much that they want. Dunno. He inclined his head toward Chug, who toted a pallet of medical supplies like a child pulling an empty wagon. He say anything else? Back on the pitch, what he managed. Gods, that was brilliant. Nothing. Like it never happened. 
She watched Soviet move through the line of injured and dazed civilians. The doctor maintained an aura of calm, concern, and empathy with her charges, yet she seemed to avoid looking in Chug's direction. Corby shrugged. Eh, pity. Seemed like the sort to chatter over with a pint. Anyhow, Gilly's got nearly two dozen we're going to process when this is all said and done. Terrible way to get into the meta business, but... Ramona coughed. <laughs> yeah, terrible thing, trauma. He cringed. Oh, sorry, love. I'll circle back and check status, make sure we aren't missing anything. He took to the sky, banking to the left to begin his survey. Smoke filled the sky to the south and to the west, but Ramona couldn't make out any other threats on the horizon. For the time being, it seemed like the day was out of surprises. Bella crouched in the shadow of a downed death sphere and reactivated her private comm to bulwark. Shortly after the first wave, she had pinged him to check the status of the campus. She had yet to receive a reply, even though the other folks housed Echo hadn't reported any attacks or catastrophic failures. Rather than obsess over it, she had focused her attention on the battle at hand and left the signal to ping bull at regular intervals. With the Colt brothers maintaining their links and coordinating the battle resources through Overwatch, Bella had had little else to do but fight alongside Echo and CCCP. She assumed Vicky had been juggling chainsaws and had basically left anyone who knew what they were doing alone. But now, the silence on Overwatch 2 was beginning to bother her. Bull, she said urgently for the third time. Look, whatever's between us can... Bella, we need to talk. Off comms. Finally, a response. I'm kind of up to my ass and Alec... An urgent light from Overwatch 1 blinked in her HUD. The Colts. She switched freaks. Guys, whatever it is, it... Commander, we've lost ping on Victrix. Sam Colt never called her Commander and never interrupted her, and he had just done both. What do you mean? She replied, comprehension eluding her. What ping? Life signs, location. All signs, Commander, about the time this Donnybrook started. She's just gone. We've informed Commander Bulwark, but no one else. And now Bull's feed was flashing urgent, and now she knew why. Bella. I know. We need to talk. Now. Off comms. She checked her HUD. He was at HQ, in the secure lockdown area. I'll be there as fast as I can. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Narration and production by Veronica Jaguer at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at ResonantMoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out secretworldchronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And, as always, thank you for listening.